Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today we are in Revelation chapter 12. I'm titling this episode, The Great Red Dragon, Past, Present, and Future. I'm going to read the first six verses of Revelation 12. And a great portent appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth in anguish for delivery. Another portent appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems upon his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to bear a child that he might devour her child when she brought it forth. She brought forth a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she was having a place prepared by God. We are now at Revelation 12 at the halfway point in the book of Revelation. We've gone through 11 of the 22 chapters, but more than simply halfway geographically, so to speak, through the book. Dr. Beale in his commentary points out, Revelation 12 has always been considered the center and the key to the entire book of Revelation. I'll go a step further. Another commentator said that the key verse for the entire book of Revelation is right here in chapter 12. That's going to be a future episode, so you can maybe read Revelation 12 and try to imagine what that key verse for the entire book in a key chapter for the entire book. So what what is happening here in chapter 12? In fact, what's happening in the whole last half of the book of Revelation. Not every verse, not every paragraph, but overall, what, what's going on? Well, you're going to find, and again, this is Dr. Beale points this out, in the last half of the book, chapters 12 through 22, you're going to see a very similar story that you read about in chapters 1 through 11 but it's explained in greater detail. And I'll take it a step further. Chapter 12 through 22 takes us kind of behind the scenes. Imagine we're watching a a play and there's certain actors acting out what's going to happen in history, so to speak, and then we're taken behind the scenes to see what is causing all of that play to transpire before us. That's what's going on, particularly in chapters 12, 13, and 14. These three chapters form a section in the book of Revelation, and they're visions. They're things that John saw. So you'll see, I saw a great sign, a great portent, and behold, all of these things are telling us we're seeing visions. And particularly today, we're looking at this great red dragon who persecutes the woman giving birth to a male child. 
and I may delve into this in future episodes, but who's the woman? Some people say it's the people of God in the Old Testament. Some people say it's the people of God in the New Testament. Some people say people of God in both Testaments. Many Catholics say it's the Virgin Mary. I say it's all four of these things because she is the icon of the entire people of God. So the great red dragon, who's identified as Satan, persecutes the woman giving birth to the Messiah, and so she flees into the wilderness for protection. Now, rather than saying, uh, where exactly is this going to be? Do we take off to the hills or something when we see these things going on? No, the point is, St. John is using imagery about the woman fleeing into the wilderness directly from the book of Exodus. In Exodus, Pharaoh is styled, he's the evil guy, he's styled as the dragon or the serpent who pursues the people of God who flee and find refuge in the wilderness. And what's happening is that St. John takes this from Exodus and then applies it to the first century. So we would say the historical interpretation when Revelation was written, it was certainly Caesar was acting in the same role that Pharaoh did and dating the Exodus, there's a couple of different dates. I prefer the uh, date of 1400 BC. So 1400 years before, St. John would take something that Pharaoh was really actually doing and apply that to what Caesar was really and actually and historically doing. Now, I've mentioned this before in different ways, but you need to know what I'm offering you, and I feel like this is the most important thing I can offer you for our entire study throughout the book of Revelation, for understanding this chapter, this new section, chapters 12, 13, and 14, as well as the whole book. And here it is. It's in form of a question. Why would the relevance of Revelation 12 be limited to the first century? If St. John could use something from 1,400 years earlier to illustrate what was going on in the first century, then if a 1,400-year-old truth could be used once, why couldn't it be used twice? In other words, historically, Revelation 12, the great red dragon, past Pharaoh, present Caesar, future, and I'll go ahead and let the, the secret out of the bag, the Antichrist, past, present, future. And so we have a both a historical and futurist interpretation of the book of Revelation in chapter 12. And I must say, the Church Fathers, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and a long line of 20th century popes all believe in a future Antichrist and a contemporary relevance of Revelation 12. Uh, you see Revelation 12 as the text for multiple homilies by the popes at Fatima during the 20th century and into the 21st century. So to limit Revelation 12 to past history, first century, as many Catholic scholars do, is to make a mistake of 
monumental proportions. So let me take you behind the scenes to see what's going on in history and prophetic events. I'm going to reread verse 3 of Revelation 12 about the great red dragon. Another portent appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems or seven crowns upon his heads. Okay, that is the description of Satan in Revelation 12. Now, if you're following me in your Bible, if not, check this out at home. Simply turn the page. Simply turn the page to Revelation 13. And in Revelation 13, the first half of the chapter, we read about the beast from the sea. I'll just give you a little summary of what that is. That's the Antichrist, the beast from the sea. But listen to the description of the beast from the sea in 13. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with 10 horns and seven heads and with 10 diadems or crowns upon its horns and a blasphemous name upon its heads. Exact same description. What's going on? Well, behind the scenes, the timeless persecution of the people of God, Old Testament, New Testament, including the Holy Family, were the attacks of Satan. But at points in time, Satan conveys his authority to certain rulers. Pharaoh, ancient history, Caesar, first century, Antichrist, sometime in the future. But it's the exact same description because Satan is conveying his power to the Antichrist as he did to Caesar and to Pharaoh. In a certain sense, this is nothing new. Revelation is simply pulling back the curtain to allow us to see what happens in ancient history, first century history, as well as perhaps the 21st century, if Fatima has any validity. So let me ask you something. Am I a nut talking about some fantasy here that the book of Revelation is is really having something to timeless to say, that pointing to the ancient past, pointing to the first days of the church, including even the times of the Holy Family, but saying, yes, those same truths are relevant for the future. And as I mentioned, this isn't something that I pulled out of a hat. Um, St. Augustine would teach this in the city of God. The fathers would warn about this. 20th century popes warned about a great apostasy that would lead to the world following a man of sin. And I'd like to wind up Revelation 12, and we've just actually just stuck our toes in a very deep, deep chapter here. But in Revelation 12, you know, are we looking at something simply historical? And I'll caution you that a lot of good Catholic and Protestant scholars will want to put this all in the past, limit it to the first century. And I agree that it has a direct application for the first century, but is that all? Listen to what the Catechism of the Catholic Church says in paragraph 675, 676. Before Christ's second coming, the church must 
pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. And I just need to insert, why am I doing this study in the book of Revelation? If you're listening to me, I don't want you to be one of the ones shaken if that time comes upon us. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo-Messiah by which man glorifies himself in the place of God. And again, this is before the second coming of Christ, that the church and the catechism wasn't written in the first century. It's saying in the future must pass through this trial that culminates in the supreme deception of the Antichrist. And he's described in Revelation chapter 13. And now we go one paragraph forward in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 676. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only by God's victory over the final unleashing of evil. And if you would look in your Catechism of the Catholic Church for the footnote to paragraph 676, it will list Revelation chapter 13. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 99 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.